Oh, God is so good. You're going to have a great week. Hey, if you, I, I'm, if you know anybody in Turlock, California, right after the service, I'm flying to Fresno and then driving to Turlock to minister at Harvest Church. If you remember, too, I'll be having hopefully my last eye surgery on Thursday morning. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Uh, literally. Hey, part four, the last part of our series, Take a Stand, subtitle, Whatever You Do, don't, don't Give Up. Turn to your neighbor and say, whatever you do, don't give up. Let me share some deep things, thoughts before I open the Word of God. My wife says I have only two faults. First of all, I don't listen to her and some other stuff she was rattling on about. <laughs> the furniture store salesman told me, this sofa will seat five people without any problems. I said, where am I supposed to find five people without any problems? Uh, a man asked me for a dollar. I told him I only carry big bills. He said, give me one of those. So I gave him my electric bill. <laughs> me. I'm still tired from all the CrossFit this morning. Friend, it's pronounced croissant and you ate four of them. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13 is a follow-up, a beautiful continuous thought to chapter 11. You really have to read them all together. And he gives such a great summation conclusion and, and principles drawn from it. It says this, therefore, seeing that we're surrounded, verse 1, Hebrews 12, 1, was such a great cloud of witnesses. So we have the picture of a grandstand in a sporting event, and the arena is filled with all the heroes of faith, Abraham and Noah and Enoch and, and, all the, and Rebecca and Sarah and Samson and, and David and all the heroes mentioned in chapter 11. Seeing that we have this beautiful audience rooting us on, the Bible says this, then let us lay aside every weight put aside the weights that would slow us down and the besetting sin that would ensnare us, the sin that, that we are most vulnerable to, and let us run with patience, endurance. Hupaimon is the Greek word. We'll talk about it in a moment. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. I'm honored and humbled to be your pastor, but keep your eyes on Jesus. I fail you if you're looking to me instead of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's who Jesus is. Amen. He knows how to finish what he's begun. He knows how to get you to the finish line. You're going to finish this race. You're going to finish your faith. You're going to fulfill your purpose. You're not going to quit. The devil's not going to win. You're going to overcome in Jesus' name. Who for the joy that was set before him, here's Jesus, here's his example, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. For consider him who endured such contra a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your mind. Father, thank you for your word that's living. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Show the devil who is boss and not your servant, your word, and your people. We declare this a miracle Sunday, a breakthrough Sunday, a faith 
charging Sunday, a strength renewing Sunday, a devil defeating Sunday, a breakthrough Sunday in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Just four points from this I want to share. First off, we're in this race, and the first thing you do if you're in a long-distance race is you carry as little weight as humanly possible. So you've got to let go of some stuff. Number one, let it go. Pastor, what do I need to let go of? I'm glad you asked. Let go, get rid of the excess baggage in your life, whatever, what is weighing you down, what is slowing you down, whatever it is, get rid of it. The longer the race, the more we are burdened and bothered by the things God hasn't called us to carry. You know, often it's not how much something weighs, but how long we've carried it that becomes the most discouraging and wearying. And, and God just wants you to know there are some things you don't have to carry. Number one, you don't have to carry life's worries and cares and stresses. The Bible says, cast, Peter said this, Pastor Peter from Jerusalem, and now through the Holy Scriptures, cast your care upon him. Why? He cares for you. For us in English, a play on words. Cast your burdens on him, your anxieties. Why? Because he loves you and cares about you. He never stops caring about you. Philippians 4 says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Well, Pastor, you say, I've got so many things. Then you have so many things to pray about. All through your day, when worries come up, then turn it into a prayer meeting. Lord, I give this to you. I give my family, my needs, my finance, my world, I give it to you. So you can't keep carrying the worries of life. A few years ago, Mary and I stopped watching the news, and I don't watch any of it. And, you know, I, I try to keep, it, it was hard for me because I was like a news junkie. But, man, my soul feels so much better because three-fourths of the news is just programming, it's just indoctrination, just nonsense anyways. And so my soul is just free. It's free because what, what the news does, it takes the whole world's problems and throws them on me. See, this is the first time in history that could happen. Used to be, you know, you'd have your city's problem or your neighborhood's problem or your family's problems. Now, i got to worry about things in New York and Tokyo and Russia. Now, the whole world's problems are thrown on me in the news. And if you're not careful, it just burdens you down. And you say, I can't run. It's because you're carrying that weight. It's time to let it go. Turn it into a prayer, amen? Turn it into a prayer. Number, the second part of Casting your burdens or letting go of weights is you have to let go of the hurts you receive in life. See, the longer you live, the more hurt you accumulate. The more trauma, the more heartache, the more disappointment, the more betrayal, the more of just life's pain hits you. And you have to become a good self-healer. You have to be good about recognizing when the pain you've been carrying is having a negative effect on the race that you're running. You don't have to carry it. Here's what David said. Who, David's family betrayed him. His son betrayed him. His boss tried to kill him. David had a tough beginning of his life. And David said this in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Part of the reason we had a 45-minute worship service 
is not just because we like music, it's because we believe worship heals. And that worship is therapy. And that our souls were being repaired and renewed. That, 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 that God was doing all kinds of miracles during our worship time. So we have to let God heal us because if we don't, the wounds that we receive will eventually knock us out of the race we're called to run in. See, see everyone, so I, I made the decision a long time ago that when I became an old man, I wasn't going to be grumpy, grouchy, crabby, cynical, angry. I was going to be sweet and funny. <laughs> my two goals. I want to be funny to my grandkids and sweet to my wife and to you, to people. I want to be kind and Christ-like, but you can't be kind when you're bitter. You can't be sweet when you're, when you're heartbroken. So God says to us, there's nothing you ever go through I can't heal you from. Amen. Amen. Blessed are they that mourn. What's, what's, why are they blessed? They shall be comforted. No matter what kind of mourning, maybe it's a righteous mourning for things that we're watching happen. Maybe it's a trauma mourning for what we've been through. God says, no matter what got you there in mourning, I'm, I'm going to comfort you. My beautiful granddaughter, London, when she was four, her and Bella and I were watching uh, their favorite movie. When, when we'd watch them, they'd come over about 10 years ago, and every time I'm watching them, they said, I said, girls, what do you want to do? You know what, at Poppy's house, there's no rules. No matter what your mom and dad said, you can have as much chocolate, you can stay up as late, you could do anything you want to here, because at Poppy's house, anything goes. I think I should revenge against my kids. I don't, I'm not sure the real motivation. And, and the girl said, we want to watch Frozen. I said, lovely. We've only seen Frozen 42 times, and we'll watch it again. We'll watch it. So during the movie, little four-year-old, Lenny grabbed my cheek and said, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. Now, my grandkids only know a happy man. They're 18 down to 10 months, eight of them, because that's what Jesus can do. I have as much reason or maybe more reason than most of you to be miserable, unhappy, bitter, angry. You with me? I forgave my way out of a hellish prison. Jesus restored my soul. He gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Okay, Jesus can heal you. Never tell God what he can't do because that seems big to you. Well, you don't know what I've been through. I, I, I know it was tough, but God is bigger. God is bigger. The second thing he said, and the sin that does so easily beset us. So we have to overcome the sin we are most personally vulnerable to. All of us have a, a vulnerability in an area of our life. You know, it's the sin that we slide into, we slip into, we move into without, without much effort. You know, just, whoops, and, you know, I did it again, as the girl's saying. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> so God says to us, never believe there's a sin in your life bigger than my grace to conquer it. And never stop believing to overcome that sin. Well, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm never going to change. Lie. You can change. He will change you. He will help you overcome. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 
No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all men. But God is faithful that with temptation he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God says, no, no, no. Don't ever believe you can't get out of this thing. You can't. You're going to be different. You're going to overcome. You're going to conquer it. Come on. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's a sexual addiction. I don't care if it's an angry issue. I don't care if it's a gossip. I don't care if it's a, whatever, whatever sin you kind of fall back into easily, God will help you conquer that in Jesus' name. Why? Because if you don't, it slows you down and takes you out of the race. The third thing he said, and run with endurance the race that is set before you. He uses the great word, hupaimone, which is the word for patience. You have been given as a child of God the great gift of endurance. God is teaching you how to claim, develop, and strengthen your endurance as his child. So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, all of us have endurance. Some of us just have higher level. We're all... Let's say it like this. We're all at different stages and phases and levels of endurance. And, and, but the Lord's giving us the capacity. So by nature as a child of God, you're resilient. By nature as a child of God, there's a persevering nature in you. No matter what you had before. And that enduring presence is a gift of God's presence, the, the DNA of Christ, the gift of the abiding Holy Spirit inside of you, your new nature. And What's so important about that is that you, you, you have to learn to stop quitting things God's not taking you out of. You can't quit every tough job. Well, when do I quit? When God tells you to. You can't quit a relationship. You can't give up on your marriage because you were first storm. Come on. Well, I thought it'd be different. Well, when you marry someone... You, you know, you accept their strengths and you accept their weaknesses. And if you're both committed to Christ, you're going to make it through it. And, and, and you can't give up before God's done. You, so if the devil can chase you away from everything God's trying to bless you with, you'll never get to your promised land. You'll never finish your race. So we run with endurance. Hupemone is the Greek word. I put it in your notes. You can get it on our, on our, our church app. It means this, hupamone, patience, endurance, perseverance, bearing up steadfastness, to remain in one spot, to keep a position, to resolve to maintain some territory that has been gained, to stand guard and defend no matter how hard or difficult the assignment, no matter what, I'm not leaving this ground. I'm not quitting no matter what. It's staying power, a hang-in-there power. One who is under a heavy weight but refuses to bend, break, or surrender because they are convinced that the territory, promises, or principles under assault rightly belong to them. A refusal to give up. The early church called Hubumone, the queen of virtues. So they, these apostolic fathers said, listen, all, you know, all of the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit are awesome, but hupemone is so important because if you have it, you're, you will eventually finish your race. We run with endurance the race that is set before us. So part of what Satan is trying to do in this moment in the world is just wear people out. It used to be you had to be in your 50s and 60s to have a midlife crisis. Now we're having people in their 20s. And it's because they're, they're being worn out. 
And, and God's promise to you has been, I, I want to strengthen your endurance capacity. James chapter 1 says this, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works hupemone or endurance, and that endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So God says, you're going to come out of this storm stronger than you went into it. You're coming out, well, Pastor, I, I'm exhausted. I, I, I know your, your endurance is being stretched, is being developed. But when this storm's over, you're going to have more strength than you've ever had. You're going to be a person that can endure things. You can take a licking and keep on ticking. You're going to stand your ground. Come on, you have to tell the devil he can't have your family, your life, your health, your marriage, your future, your business, your ministry. You have to stand your ground. And, and often, it's, it's not how much something weighs, but how long you've carried it. And Hupe Moni says, I'm not quitting no matter what. I'm not, when Mary and I first went through a withering storm almost 30 years ago in 1995, I said to the Lord, at the beginning of the storm, I can handle six weeks of this. As I measured my own internal enduring capacity, I said, Lord, I got a six-week capacity. When the storm ended six years later, two things. I was surprised I made it, and I realized I was a different person in a good way, in a good way. I first tried out for sporting story. When I was a junior, just on a whim, basketball season was over. I was thinking about baseball, or I played baseball there, and now I was thinking about trying out for track. So I went and ran a race, had my school clothes on, but I, I just ran a quarter mile, did it in 57 seconds. I was in basketball shape. The coach said, well, you know, that's not fast, but that's, I think I see something in you. A year later, after one year of endurance training, I ran that same race in 47 seconds. And if I would have stayed with track, you know, I, I had a future in track to do things, but... I hated it. In fact, I, I lit my track shoes on fire after state, after one state. I said, enough of that nonsense. Torture. Here's my point. The coach said, I can teach you how to maximize your potential by developing your endurance. And your lungs are going to expand. And your muscles are going to receive strength. And you'll do things you don't know you can do because there's an endurance in you that's undeveloped so far. Come on. And, and so we have this endurance spirit. Here's what Romans 5 says this. The same spirit, the same principle about being joyful in difficult moments. And not only that, verse 3, we rejoice. Glory is the word rejoice. We rejoice in tribulation, thipless, pressure. Because pressure produces hupemone, perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God's making you strong even though it's something you wish you wouldn't go through. I remember what... Uh, we used to run, run through the neighborhood at Finnish Christian High School. And so I, I think it was five or six miles we were supposed to run. And uh, so one day I said, I, I, enough of this. And I sat in the shade at someone's house, turned on their hose and drank from it. And I, and I soaked my head like I was sweating. 
And I came back to coach, I, his name was Walt Bemis. And he, he was like, he, you know, he was, he was like Hollywood casting for a coach. I came back, his hands on his hips. He says, have a good run, Mike. Oh, yeah, coach, look at me, I'm sweating. He said, you know the house that you sat in the shade of? That's my sister's house. She called me and told me what you've done. He said, he said I've developed a little plan for you tonight. We're going to run six quarter miles in a row with a two-minute break between them, and you have to run them all in 60 seconds. Okay, let's go. And so it was, it was, it was, it was torture. And so I hated Coach BMS until I started winning state championships. You with me? I hated him because he was tough. And then all of a sudden I started winning, you know, first places. I go, oh, that, that guy's smart. He, you have to trust God when he's allowing you to face something you wish you didn't have to face. You have to trust him. If he doesn't take it away, you're going to come out with muscles. <clears throat> okay? You're going to come out with endurance. You're going to come out better, stronger, more Christ-like. That's what God's promises to you. Can I have an amen from the Southern Baptist country? So we as, we as believers want to be so good about not, not letting the devil talk us out of destiny breakthroughs. Verse 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy set before him, which was what? The Father's pleasure and your soul. Before, like we, before in track, you're at a big meet, so they have all the trophies. There's a trophy table. It's right next to the finish line. So everybody's walking around it. Here's first place trophy. Here's second place, third. Here's a third place trophy. And you, you, you see the reward. You see the reward before you run the race. Why? It motivates you to run strong and not quit. <clears throat> Anything that we do in life that is purposeless, we will do passionless. What's the value of that? You have to understand the purpose of God, even in difficult moments of life, because if you do, you will despise the shame, you will have endurance, and you'll get your trophy. Be like Jesus. You know, for, for us, the trophy was the salvation of the world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Point number four, look at what he did and how he lived. Follow his example. Like I said before, if you have your eyes on me, eventually I'm going to disappoint you. Eventually you're going to see my humanity. Oh, you know, it, 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 if in this church people look to me more than Jesus, I have failed as the leader of this church. My job is to point you to him. My job is to take you to him. In all things, looking in the Jesus, who is the author, the originator, the beginner. Remember, he said, I'm the first, the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending. I am the the author and finisher, Jesus knows how to finish what he's begun in you. Colossians says, being confident of this, that he that has begun a good work in you will also finish it. God's going to finish it. Don't quit before God writes an amazing comeback chapter in your life story. 
God's got it, okay? God's got it and he's going to do it. <laughs> Lastly, point number four. We have to, then the Bible says this, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised his shame, sat down right hand of Father. For consider him, Christ, who endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, that she become weary and faint in your minds. The last point is this, you have to overcome life's contradictions. For somehow, I, I, I missed the verses on suffering when I was a young preacher. I just, it was a scotoma. I just didn't see him, skipped over him. But when I was suffering, I reread the Bible. Oh, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Somehow I never cleaned that. But the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. And so I went to the contradiction because if, if so I'm a church boy and I just have lived for God my whole life. That's it. N never had a, you know, a, a season of sin in the world. Live for God. So the problem with being a church kid is you can fall into the trap of self-righteousness. And I, I remember, I'm a young pastor. We have an exploding church pastor. George was there. Pastor Joan was there. Just good things happening. And I'm thinking, oh, man, if I can just get this church to live as good as me, God will bless them as much as he's blessing me. And I somehow associated my own moral behavior, which is good and godly holiness is a good thing. But I translated that into how God was treating me, like I was earning it. <laughs> Grace is received, not achieved. And so when difficult times came, I had this cognitive dissonance. I said, how can I be going through this? I'm a good man. I know five pastors that are bad men. How come they're not going through this? And I had this internal battle because I couldn't figure out why it happened to me. And so I, I had to reread the scriptures. I had to, I had to become reacquainted with the normalcy of life. That Jesus said, storms come on the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. They come to good people. They come to unsaved people. That, that you can't determine God's love for you by the storms of life that come against you because you'll always come to a wrong conclusion. Bad things happen to good people because we live in a broken, sinful, fallen world. So, so what, what, what are you saying, Pastor Mike? If you don't win the battle of contradictions, the devil will knock you out of the race. Well, I used to go to church. I got hurt there. Duh. <laughs> Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, so will people be jerks to each other. <laughs> Some book of Matthew somewhere. He, he, you, you can't come hurting to the church and not have some hurtful behavior. So that's, we get better by loving each other, standing with each other, forgiving each other, and, and not forsaking each other. So the new thing, the big thing now, church hurt. I'm like, oh, brother. No one to hurt worse than me. I... You, well, Pastor, how, how come you didn't give up on the church? Because God doesn't have a plan B. Jesus said, I will build my church, and hell can't stop it. So the church is, is you know, the, we are the church as people, not the building. We are the church. And so we have to overcome contradictions. So you have to, you have to overcome when something unfair happens to you. 
When you're falsely accused, when you're betrayed, when someone you love hurts you with a moral failure, when someone steals money from you or someone lies to you. So when, so when things happen, you have to not think God's at war with you because someone sinned against you. Jesus never doubted the Father's goodness, even when he went through the evil intentions of men. He knew God would, was working it to a, a, a plan. The cross was the goal. Oh, I'm almost done. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God. Called according to his purpose. If it's not good yet, my dear friend, it only means God's not done yet. Come on, you're, you're about to get your second wind. I think it was the Yuma invitation. I was running a, a, a race there. And uh, this, this, this guy, a sprinter came over to our race, half mile race. And, you know, I, I, I realized by time I'm supposed to win this race. I'm, I'm the fastest guy there. But this new guy comes. And, man, he started, he, he, he went out 30 yards in front of me. He's full, he's a 100-yard sprinter. And I think, whoa. And I said, well, I'm just going to run my race. First lap, he's 30 yards in front of me. About midway through the second lap, it hit him. And, the, and so the last 100 yards of the race, the whole crowd is shouting because they're watching me catch up to him. He's crawling. And they're all cheering for me. You could do it. At the finish line, I beat him. I beat him because I had endurance. He only had speed. And I... I, you know, it wasn't that I was slow, but I knew how to run a, a long-distance race. Now, here's my point. You don't want to flame out. And one of the things that takes people out the easiest is when they're disappointed by the outcomes of their story. When I started tithing and all hell broke loose. Well, of course, the devil's trying to stop you. I was praying, and I, started, I did some good things, and, and all kinds of bad things happened. So What? You can't let the devil scare you away from your destiny. You can't let the devil intimidate you or push you or lie to you, deceive you. I just want to declare over you, Jesus' name, you're going to finish. You're going to finish the race you're called to. Would you please stand to your feet? Thank you for listening to me today. I want to close by, I'm going to ask Pastor Matthew, Pastor George, come up on stage. And they can invite other pastors if they want to. But here's how I'm going to close today. We're going to give the devil a big black eye. And I know what it's like to want to quit. And I know what it's like to not quit and see God come through. The Bible says, you've heard of the patience of Job. How God gave him more at the end than the beginning. That's your story. I want every person here to say, Pastor, I've been battling discouragement. I've been battling, you know, really emotional exhaustion. We don't normally have altar calls here, but I'm just going to ask you to come forward. Because today we're giving the devil 18 black eyes. Today we're telling him, nope. Devil, you're not going to stop me. Come on. You say, Pastor, I'm fighting discouragement. Just come down to the front here and join us. Someone have Pastor Matt and George pray over you, and I'm going to pray for you too. I have to catch a flight to Fresno. But I, I just come forward. Come on. 
There's like 300 people here. I know that you're going through a hellish, difficult season. But today it's turning around. Prayer team, if you please join me down front too to help me pray. Pastors, please prepare. Maybe the, all the pastors can maybe join us on stage and then come down and pray for folks. I want everyone up front just to raise your hands to heaven and, and, and scoot up, make room for others as they come down the aisle. Come on, everything's changing today. Come on, everything in your story is changing today. The devil thought he could knock you out. The devil thought he could take you out. The devil thought he could discourage you. The devil thought he could defeat you. The devil thought he would wear your mind down. But the devil's a liar and things are changing. Things are changing for you. Come on, God's doing something wonderful. God's doing something. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Church, stretch your hands toward these men and women up front. 